You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 3CR is radical radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au/subscribe. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Woolless Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, 855 on your AM dial. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners across Australia from 2Bob in Taree in New South Wales, um, 2XX from Canberra, to a 3UGE from Alexandra and Victoria, obviously 3CR from Melbourne, Victoria, 3UV from Adelaide, 8CCC from uh, Alice Springs, 2MIA from Griffith in New South Wales, 2RRR from Gladesville in New South Wales, I think it's 4ZZZ from uh, Brisbane, 4 Nag from Yapoon in Queensland, 4NSA from Noosa Heads in Queensland, and 7RGV from Jeefston in Tasmania. So if you want to listen to The Anarchist World this week, you've never heard it before, you're listening to this program somewhere in Australia, well, contact your local community radio station. If they're a member of the Community Radio Network, I'm sure they can arrange for you to listen to The Anarchist World this week. Whether you listen to it live or later on, doesn't matter. And obviously you can always listen to us as a podcast, 3cr.org.au, Anarchist World this week. Wonder what anarchy is all about? No, 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 no. It's not about chaos. Anarchism is a very simple, conservative concept. It's about having societies, creating societies without rulers. So what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve or share power, possibly through direct democratic means, 
and it's the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Things which are diametrically opposed to what we believe in. Now, a lot of people say, well, you anarchists, you're all so softy, softy, you're so pleasant. You know, you rely on the goodness of human nature. Well, no. We understand that you've got feet of clay, I've got feet of clay, we're all human, we have all we all have foibles, and we are capable of the most obscene acts. Human history tells us that. And to a significant degree, the type of people we are or the type of people become is related to the type of society we live in. So as anarchists, we have no faith in human goodness. The people who have faith in human goodness are those people who think a dictator or an elected leader or an elected ruler somehow will always look after their interests. They put in faith in that individual and we see what happens. The more power people have, the less they're interested in the people they supposedly rule. As anarchists, we have no faith in people. You know, you, don't, you have no faith in a megalomaniac like me. You wouldn't want me to be head of your society. And that's why anarchism is the struggle to share power, to devolve power. So, no, so an individual or a small group can't determine to make the lives of billions of people a misery. It's a very simple concept. Very simple, very conservative. Now, I'm a little bit confused today. I was looking at some, uh, what do they call them? Surveys on trust. And I'm a little bit confused. And uh, But it does help me to understand while how come Australia, or how Australia has become a nation, yes, you're not going to like this, of carping, complaining consumers. That's right. Because we, as a people, we tend to tr- we t- trust business more than we trust government. Now, I know it's not a good thing to trust government, but really, trusting the corporate sector, come on, boys and girls. This is the trouble with the dream land we live in. I mean, Australia is a dreamland. I mean, governments provide us, after a lot of struggle, with things like social security benefits, universal health care, public education, national disability insurance scheme. They may all have their limitations and problems, but I don't see private corporations doing much, apart from a little bit of philanthropy, you know, giving things to charities that they support to make sure their names live for eternity. So what's it all about? What's this lack of trust in governments and this trust in business, this trust in corporate Australia? No wonder we're little more than cringing, carping, complaining consumers. I mean, it's extraordinary that a a system which is based on private investment for private profit, we have much, much greater faith as a people in that particular system than we have in government. 
Now, I'm the last person to say that, you know, I have faith in government, but at least governments provide services. They may be inadequate, they may not fill, you know, the void, but at least we can have an impact. But as far as corporations are concerned and businesses are concerned, we have no impact. We're either shareholders and we share in the dividends or we're cringing, carping, complaining consumers. And the thing about the anarchist world this week is we don't have room for cringing, carping, complaining consumers because we know that you can fight City Hall and we know that things can change. Now, what about the housing crisis? And I say to myself, what housing crisis? Now, this morning, or well, today, or was it yesterday, I had the pleasure of looking at some lovely, lovely, lovely little houses around Australia, you know, top strata. I um, was digging in the backyard and I came across this tin. There was $50 million in it and I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be nice to own something big and fancy? And guess what? You'd be surprised. There are many homes in this country for that price tag. At the same time, you trip over people sleeping rough in the the CBDs of cities and the outer suburbs these days. So you think to yourself, dream time. It is a dream time. We have this manufactured reality in this country. And this manufactured reality is based on the principles of private investment for private profit. Somehow we think or believe, I think believe more than think, because it is a belief system, that if we allow the corporate sector to have its head, which we've done over the last 40 years, that somehow life will improve. Well, let's look at the housing crisis Increasing interest rates, inflation, all the things we're told that the only way you can tackle it is through, you know, what we're doing now, increasing interest rates. Now, let's look at this. I have not noticed, and I do keep an eye on these things in order to, you know, I, 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 take, all this, I take all this garbage in over the week in order to give you you know, my viewpoint anyway, whether you accept it or not, it's obviously your decision. I mean, I've got no power over you. So here I am. I'm looking at company profits. Transurban, that wonderful company that makes extraordinary profits courtesy of government support. And in Victoria, it's wonderful. Not only do you get to fleece people for 35 years because you're going to dig a tunnel for a few billion dollars you get to fleece them for another 30 plus years that's right think about it people are paying two three four hundred dollars a month for the privilege of traveling on a road and some of those roads were public roads which were given to the private sector and then we have the criminal justice system which actually collects the fines for a private corporation. No wonder they make extraordinary profits, and obviously they've got toll roads all over Australia. And then you look at the banks, those wonderful, wonderful institutions that are closing down branches all over the country. 
and are so mean and nasty that remember when they were under a little bit of pressure during the Royal Commission stage when they were charging dead people and everybody was a bit concerned? Well, they, they waived their fee as far as automatic tellers were concerned. And guess what they've done now, a few years later? They've actually outsourced, automa- they're outsourcing rapidly automatic tellers and they charge a fee of $2.50, irrespective. You know, it's just amazing what they do. And, they, and their profits are still soaring. And this is the beauty of living in a capitalist society, a private investor for private profit. We've got an economic issue. So who pays? Who pays? Well, it's simple. You pay. If you've got a mortgage, you pay. Mortgages have increased, I mean, repayments have increased by about 67%. Could you imagine that? In the last year or so, you pay. If you rent... And that investment class out there, which is getting a legal tax deduction for owning more than one property, is feeling the pinch. What do they do? They increase your rent to cover their costs. It's not just people with mortgages, which is about a third of the population. And it's not just, it's also people who rent, which is another third of the population while the investment class continues to enjoy life. And we find ourselves in this situation, as I say, consistently week after week, because we have bent over backwards as a society to promote the private investment for private profit model. We have bent over backwards. We have privatised profit-making, public services, and in many cases essential services, and given away those services at bargain basement prices, fire sale prices to the private sector. We have removed regulations. For example, what other stupid nation, sovereign nation state on this planet allows overseas investors to enter the private residential market, driving up prices. I'll give you an example. I've spoken about this example before, but I'll give you an example. In 1982, with the assistance of a financial institution, I paid $42,500 for a property in Richmond, Melbourne, okay? $42,500. That was in 1982. In 2019, that same property with no renovations sold for 1.6, I think it was 1.4 or $1.6 million. That was a 40-fold increase in the cost of that property. 
while wages during that period rose about sevenfold. Today, in 2023, not only can't people get into the property market because wages have been stagnant and continue to be stagnant for decades, those that have found themselves in the property market have been able to you know, scrimp and save and a little bit of help from their uh, you know, the bank of mum and dad now find themselves in the extraordinary situation of actually facing the possibility of selling up and still having still having a debt to pay to the financial institution which holds that mortgage because housing prices have dropped. And at the same time, we have investors, both, both local and overseas, who continue to jack up rents in order to meet the increasing cost of their loan and also claim a tax deduction. Just extraordinary. This is a dreamland. Dreamland. We live in a dream. Drug-induced myth fairyland. It's a drug-induced fairyland. Here we have those less able to absorb the cost of increased interest rates and increasing inflation who have been asked to pay the price so that corporations and businesses can continue to make extraordinary profits, record profits. And we have governments at the shrugging their shoulders saying, Oh, 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 it was the Reserve Bank's decision. Think about it. Dreamland, fairyland, fairyland. I remember when this, yeah, what they call the Democrats, yeah, the Democrats, whatever they call it, used to be, oh, the Greens used to be called, you know, the, the Democrats, the fairies at the bottom of the garden. Well, this is fairies at the bottom of the garden bullshit. Total bullshit. Where those least able pay the price to ensure something they had nothing involved in creating so that the business sector, the corporate sector, and I'm not talking about small business which finds itself in the same situation, being squeezed by both government and costs, you know, laughing all the way to the bank while screwing their customers and exploiting their workers. Extraordinary. And then, and then, not reinvesting back in the community, but exporting those profits overseas in a, in a significant number of cases. Fairyland. I mean, Australia, the egalitarian community. Come on. Pull the other leg. An egalitarian community. I've noticed that all the charities are jumping up and down saying, oh, our resources are being plundered by people who find themselves in difficult situations. And Mr Chalmers and Mr Albanese and Mr Dutton shrugging their shoulders and saying, 
Ah, well, that's the price. That's the price we have to pay as a community. What an extraordinary economic system. But what's even more extraordinary is our reaction as a people. Not individuals, but as a people. When I see surveys which tell me that people have more trust in, in corporations and businesses than they have in a government, I know there's a problem. I know there's a problem in the way we think. I know there's a problem because our DNA has been incalc... Oh, can't even talk. Our DNA has been hijacked for the private investment for private profit mantra. Hijacked. We look at our superannuation, if we do get superannuation, and say, wow, look at that. I can now pay for my retirement. And we just sit on the sidelines. And that's why I talk about cringing, carping, complaining consumers. The solutions are not based on complaining or doffing your hat or, you know, privatising yourself and, you know, sitting in a corner and crying. Look at what's happening in France today as we speak, where there's a, a more radical tradition in terms of protecting gains and extending gains. The president and his ruling party would like to increase the retirement age from 62. I hear you laughing. Is the retirement age in this country 65 to 64? And they have massive protests, huge debates in parliament, people coming out in the streets in their tens and hundreds of thousands to protest about it. We increase our retirement age from 65 to 67. What, we, what do we do? We shrug our shoulders. Our rents increase by 20 to 30% in a 12-month period. What do we do? We shrug our shoulders. I don't see any protests out there. Do you? Do you? Huh? I don't see them. You don't see them. Your mortgage repayments increase by over 60% and they're going to continue to increase. I was speaking to somebody this morning. Their mortgage repayments have gone up. They've gone up $2,500 in a month. They've had to move out of their apartment, rent their apartment, and rent somewhere else cheaper in order to survive, in order to keep the apartment. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary stuff. And what do we do? We shrug our shoulders. We shrug our shoulders and say, that's the way it is. We trust business. We trust the corporate sector. We trust the private investment for private profit mantra. We don't trust government. We're happy for the business sector to ride rough, rough shod over us. And I'll, I'll tell you this statistic again, and I say it every week, and I know you're bored, but radical politics is about repetition. That's all it is, repetition. Nothing changes. I mean, the curtains change. One day it's interest rates, the next day, you know, it's uh, returns on your investment. Uh, the next day it's what's happening here or there. 
but nothing actually changes. The curtains change. 40 years ago, if an investor invested a dollar in a successful business, one third of the profits created by that investment would go back to the investor and two thirds would go back to the workers which created that profit. 40 years later, the equation's reversed. Two thirds goes to the investor, one third goes to the worker. And what have we done? We have supported government legislation which makes striking outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period after you've jumped about 46 hoops, you know, illegal in this country. Just extraordinary. And you can't blame government for that. You can't blame the business sector for that. They're there to make a profit. They're not there to look after the environment, although some people think green capitalism is the way forward. They're not there to worry about social cohesion. They're there to make a buck. That's what they're meant to do. And if there's no competition in terms of a strong collective um, cooperative sector and a strong public sector, you expect them to gouge profits. And when you've got legislation which is so weak and organisations which supposedly oversee these businesses have such little power, legislative, and so few resources, you begin to understand that it's, you know, it's open season. People talk about the duck season going for 10 weeks. Well, we have a 365-day season, a 366-day season in this country on people who are not investors, small business Workers, that one further country on social security benefits, open season, open season, let's fleece them and we'll do it legally. And that's the beauty. And as I keep saying on this program, I've said for over four and a half decades, nothing will change unless we are willing to stop being cringing, carping, complaining consumers and we become active citizens. Democracy is rule of the people, by the people, for the people, is not about casting a ballot every three to four years and giving a representative a signed blank check to make decisions for you when you know the flavour of legislation which is introduced and passes in Parliament is determined by that puppet masters, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. I'll give you an example, simple example. Now, everybody currently is crying about the fact that because they live in a disaster-prone area, they can't get insurance. Well, they can for 20 grand or 30 grand or whatever. See, the private insurance industry is a monopoly it has no competition. What if you had a public insurance sector which was designed to insure people who find themselves in a situation where they can't afford to protect their property and their way of life? And people say, oh, oh, Joe, Joe, that's terrible. 
That'll cost us money. Well, it doesn't have to cost us money. It doesn't have to cost us money. You know that section of society that extracting resources from this country's ground? Uranium, coal, lithium, gold, diamonds, the old perennial iron ore, bauxite, gas. Corporations which make hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars profit every year but pay nominal taxation. Why don't we slap a 5% turnover tax? <gasps> I said, oh, Joe, that's naughty. A 5% turnover tax? Not a income tax because they are able, with the help of lovely accountants, the best money can buy to minimise legally, and that's the key. See, you don't have to cheat. If you're a large corporation, you don't have to cheat. You can legally minimise your tax to nothing. One third of companies did that in the last financial year. Doesn't mean they didn't make a profit. One third. How about a 5% turnover tax? If you turn over 20 billion, 5% goes to funding a national insurance scheme, a public national insurance scheme. At the same time, you and I know if we look at what's happening in Turkey and uh, northwestern Syria, there are thousands of deaths and tens of thousands of injuries and millions of people displaced by an earthquake, that natural disasters, especially in the continent like Australia, where we see floods and fires on a regular basis and with increasing temperatures we will see more, natural disasters or man-made disasters or human-made disasters are a constant feature and with rising sea levels we'll find that at least 25% of the homes in this country will be under severe threat with rising sea level. That's 25%. So is it about time we had some national disaster centres funded by the federal government? And I keep talking about this and I know it's tedious but as I said, Politics, politics is about, can be tedious, and it's about repetition. If we had 50 based disaster centres which had accommodation, which had people, you know, to run the disaster centres, which had equipment, let's say half a million in an urban setting, 250,000, in a regional setting, 100,000 in a rural setting, looking after the needs of those people, we would be able to deal with any natural disasters and, more importantly, provide the services after the disaster. I mean, the wonderful thing about Australia is we lap up the pictures, the floods, the fires, the heartbreaking stories, right? And they are heartbreaking. I've been involved in a flood and I've been involved in a fire. And I know it is terrible. But after a week or two, everybody forgets. Everybody forgets. And the people who are in that situation are left, in the majority of cases, to survive the best way they can. Think about it. And again... 
we could use, we could increase that turnover tax to, say, 10%. Hmm? I mean, they're our resources. They belong to First Nations people and the rest of us on this continent. Why should we allow other people to make billions of dollars of profits exploiting our resources, not paying any real royalties to First Nations people and not sharing in the profits that are created by governments giving these people permits and allowing them to function paying minimal taxation because they employ 2% of the country's population. Extraordinary. As I said, fairies at the bottom of the garden, I think we believe in them. So if there's one thing I want you to remember today, just one thing, are you happy? Are you happy being a cringing, carping, complaining consumer? If you are, fair enough, increase your debt burden, buy all that useless consumer garbage, and sooner or later you'll reap your just rewards a crematorium. But if you are not a cringing, carping, complaining consumer or you don't want to be a cringing, carping, complaining consumer and you want major change, even minor reform, I suggest you become involved in whatever activity because it's about DIY. Do it yourself. Because in 2023, you can't rely on governments at the local, state or federal level to do it for you. You can't rely on so-called values-based capitalism or green capitalism, as well as our ordinary garden variety capitalism, to solve the issue for them because it's about increasing profits for their major shareholders. And unless we start making noises, nothing's going to change. We'll continue to sit on the sidelines. We'll continue to sign. We'll continue to watch the football, immerse ourselves on the net, um, lose ourselves on Tinder, whatever. Anything to divert our attention from the reality which we face. Because the reality is that unless we become active citizens... Nothing will change. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now let's move on. Now, what do you reckon about the World Wide Web, the internet, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wonderful, aren't they? <laughs> I'm just amazed. Again, well, it must be an amazing day today. But I'm amazed at the damage that's been done, not just at a personal level, but at a national level, an international level, by a technology which was originally designed to empower people. It was designed 
to, to allow us to bypass the gatekeepers, whether it was in the corporate-owned media or the government guild at ABC. It was designed to assist us. So what's happened 20 years later? What's happened is quite extraordinary. Because what we've seen is this technology has now been hijacked not only by private institutions who have monetarised the interaction between the consumer and a private owner who's been able to make extraordinary profits from this technology. But at the same time, we've seen the reality bashing crew out there. And the beauty of the, of the net is that within an instant, you can put something up. Within an instant, it can become viral. Within an instant, you can actually change the way people think. So the internet is nothing more than a wrecking ball. It is a wrecking ball which has been used to destroy reality. It manufactures reality, a reality which suits the bottom line of a particular corporation which owns a particular facet or suits the bottom line of some particular noxious political social movement which is happy to deny reality in order to peddle its garbage. Just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. And if you think it's not effective, it is very effective. Exceptionally effective. And it has helped to polarise society to such an extent. The social cohesion which was built up over decades of struggle, common struggle for common issues has dissipated and we don't see to any significant degree any positive positive results maybe you can use a gps to get someplace quicker maybe you can go and get your food delivered and you can watch your poor little exploited you know peddler try to get there or your uber driver try to get there maybe you could talk to your instrument and you can ask it a esoteric question and you'll have hundreds of esoteric answers hmm? something which was designed to assist humanity has now become a net and it is slowly slowly strangling humanity well there were Luddites in the 19th century and there are Luddites in the 21st century. And the thing about Luddites, they had a bad press. And Luddites smashed what they believe was inappropriate machinery which dehumanised people, which exploited people. It wasn't mindless destruction of positive, um, positive developments. Many Luddites 
were executed. Many of them found themselves being transported to Australia in the 19th century. That's the way it was in those days. And today, similar. There's beginning to be, I've noticed, a little bit of a pushback, tiny pushback against not what the internet was supposed to be, which was a, a mechanism which to improve communication and social cohesion, but a pushback against what it has become because of its monopolisation by a small number of companies who use your data to make profits. It's all about eyeballs. Think about it. Think about it. And the other extraordinary thing is how people who are not willing to use it or don't want to use it are now being forced to by government departments which have no other mechanism and businesses via which people can transact important business. And then obviously you've got all the scams. Unbelievable. I mean, I was sitting in a bank, as I tend to do, and uh, waiting to be served. Yes, I still go to a bank. Don't trust, you know, all that internet banking bullshit. And all the, there's a stream of people coming in making appointments because they've been, they've been scammed. Unbelievable. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I'm interested in radical history. I'm not interested in radical history because of the historical content. There's no point looking at history if you can't learn from it and you can't understand the present and change the future. So this year, I will be, not hoping, I will be doing a series of events where I look at radical history and see its um, connection with 2023 and what the story is and why it's still important. And the first one I'll be doing will be next Saturday. So if you are, sorry, what am I talking about? Next Wednesday. So if you are in Melbourne next Wednesday, you're welcome to attend. It'll start at 6pm, go to about 8pm. So what's it's all about? Well, you know that we've been involved in the uh, tanaminawai Hina struggle for many, many years, and I was a little bit, a little bit disheartened at this at the commemoration this year, because a lot of people have forgotten why this period is so important. What was the struggle about? What was the struggle to create a monument about? Who was Tanaminawai Hina? What has that struggle got to do with us in 2023? So I'll be doing a presentation of the Tanaminawai Hina Monument Wednesday, that's next Wednesday, the 15th of February, starting at 6pm sharp, followed by, I want people, if you're coming, bring some drinks and some food, which we can share after, just, to, just next to the monument is a little kind of a meeting area park where we can meet and discuss and after the presentation we can have a you know a, a bit of social a social gathering just to to be part of that thing because unfortunately the monument isn't used i thought it would be a center of possibly protest but it isn't it's about once a year it's used but we're going to change that so 6 p.m to 8 p.m if you've got flowers, bring some flowers. We can, you can put on the monument. I'll do a presentation. And then 
next month, in March, I'm hoping to do a presentation on the 15th of March on the significance of the Paris Commune. Now, those of you may not know about the Paris Commune and how fundamental it was to the creation of a radical milieu, not just in around the world, but in Australia itself, and our connections, our various connections, multiple connections with the Paris Commune here in Australia and how important it was. Now, you all know about the reign of terror, don't you, after the French Revolution? Well, in one week, in March 1871, more people were executed in Paris for being involved in the rebellion in the Paris Commune than died during the whole reign of terror during the French Revolution. Nobody knows about that. Nobody marks it, but we will be marking it this year. So I'll give you further information about that in the next two weeks or so. So please come along this Wednesday. We've made it evening because a lot of people work and they can't make it during the day. 6 to 8 p.m., Wednesday the 15th. Tanaminawaya Morborhina Monument, corner of Franklin and Victoria Street in Melbourne, just across the way from the um, from the Melbourne, the old Melbourne jail. All right, let's move on. This is the Anarchist World this week, broad, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Have you heard of the concept of populist penalism? PP. Populist penalism. Well, whenever there's a horrific crime in society, there's always the call for increased prison sentences, more effective bail laws, no, um, you know, prison after prison sentence. It just goes on and on. It's called populist penalism. It's very simple. Outrage. You have an outrage. Some outrageous act occurs which destroys people's lives and kills them. Then you have a media frenzy. And then you have a government which passes legislation, knee-jerk legislation in order to quieten the frenzy. And we usually don't worry about the consequences. Well, in 2018, on the 20th of January, there was a horrific event unfolded in the city as we were conducting the Tanaminawaya Mulborhina commemoration. And a crazed driver was mowing down men, women and children in the Burke Street Mall in Melbourne. And obviously... This was a man who had a history of violent offending who was actually on bail when re-offended. So the bail laws in, in Victoria were changed to be the most strictest bail laws in the country. And we now find in Victoria, apart from deaths in custody which have occurred as a result of this bail law, changes in bail law, we now find extraordinary numbers of people on remand in prison because of the changes in bail conditions. So we are finding people who have not been involved in any violent incident, things like shoplifting, on remand, in prison, 
awaiting trials which can last months before they come up to trial. And you've got to think of all the negative connotations, not just the negative connotations of the imprisonment, but the negative connotations to all the people that these people are involved in, their families, their friends, their children, their lovers, their husbands, their wives. And at one stage in Victoria, 80% of Aboriginal women in Phyllis, Phyllis was at Frost Prison were there on remand for non-violent crimes. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary. So there's been a few murmurings lately that this is not very efficient. It's not a way to run a justice system. I mean, a justice system is basically should be there to protect us from violent individuals. Not petty crime. Not people taking drugs. You know, it just goes on and on. So there's a bit of a movement bit of a movement to change these bail laws because nowhere else in Australia are bail laws so strict. It's the same with the prison population. It's ex exploded in Victoria over the last few years. Not because it's a more dangerous state or there's more violent crime, but because people have been swept into jails for... Activity, criminal activity, which is may have a property component but does not have a violent component. So penal populism, think about it. Very important. Great for gathering votes. Great for gathering votes. But it's um, or populist penalism, whatever you like to call it. So just keep an eye on that because... In many regards, we find ourselves in a situation which is both uneconomical, costs a lot, uneconomical, if such a word exists, which is does no good as far as reducing crime, and all it does is criminalise, penalise and incarcerate people who are involved in or who are involved in alleged criminal activity which has no violent component attached to it. You're listening to The Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3CR. Now, I'll, I'll talk for the last few minutes. I want to once again go talk about this housing crisis. Obviously, there isn't a housing crisis for the investment class or the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And to a significant degree, the current housing prices is related to the fact that the public housing sector has almost been destroyed in this country. I'm only familiar with Victoria, which I understand is almost as bad as New South worse than New South Wales. We've had a Labor government after Labor government doing the best they can to privatise the public housing sector. And normally, we would have non-government organisations standing shoulder to shoulder with us on the steps of the Parliament House because public housing, everybody's business, go to our Facebook page, public housing, everybody's business. We have a vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. It's not a protest, it's a vigil from 12 till 1 every Thursday. 
to raise the issue of public housing. The dilemma is, and I'll make this as simple as I can, if you've got a, a negligible public housing sector, there is no competition in the housing sector. There is no competition in the housing sector. Rents goes up, prices go up, and when interest rate goes up, everybody goes belly up. So what does a strong public housing sector do? It does a number of things. It ensures that people who are not able to enter the public housing who enter the private housing market have access to public housing for 25% of their income. 25% of their income. Not 37%, not 45%, not 70%. 25% of income. The more people in public housing, the less people need to rent privately. The less people need to rent privately, downward pressure on rents. As returns on rents decrease, investors will move out of the market, whether they're overseas or local investors, they'll move out of the market. As they move out of the market, housing prices at the lower end decrease. At the same time, there is a positive feedback in the community. Because if people are only spending 25% of their income for a roof over their heads, and public housing should not just be for people in dire circumstances, it should be available to everybody who can't afford or doesn't want to enter the private housing market, then there is more disposable income in the community, which means people are spending more, and businesses, especially small businesses, local businesses, are making a greater a greater amount of money and possibly can survive. Because remember, 90% of small businesses fail within five years of being established. So it's a positive, positive, and as far as security is concerned, it increases security for everybody, even the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange, and communication. So it's a very positive aspect. But what's happened? Because of the privatisation mantra, we are seeing the privatisation of public housing. Not only the privatisation of public housing, but the word public housing removed from the language. When you hear some non-government organisation, some charity talk about, or some politician talk about housing, public housing, about social housing, affordable housing, community housing. These are privately owned housing. They cherry-pick who goes into that housing. It's not based on need, but cherry-picking. Who'll be able to pay the rent? They can put rules and regulations which can't be applied in a public housing sector. They can increase the rent. And most importantly of all, they rely on government money. So instead of government money going to maintain public housing, government and extend the network, government money goes into private housing. Think about it. Join us on the vigil. Data is Since, join us. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. 
This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to the Facebook page. Joseph Toscano, web pages, public interest before corporate interest, anarchistmedia.org. Other Facebook pages, public housing, everybody's business, defend and extend public housing. YouTube channel, public interest before corporate interest. And the list goes on and on. There's plenty of stuff out there. You don't have to look look at our stuff. There's plenty of alternative stuff out there. The important thing is don't just look at it. Do something with it. Do something with your time. Don't agree to be... Don't think that your only option in life is to be a cringing, carping, complaining consumer. Be an active citizen. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local... Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.